And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Molly, here we are without our friend, Colin Mm -hmm. Smith. So we got so used to having him here, it's going to be a change in... uh, change in scenery here. We love having Colin here with us, but Mm -hmm. today we got something special. We're going to continue something that we started long ago. It was in Proverbs chapter Mm 1, and we left off talking about, turn at my reproof, and I'll pour out my spirit to you, make my words known to you, which is one of the most significant verses, I think, in the entire Bible, and here's why. Well, let me ask you why. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it's the most, one of the most significant verses in the Old Testament? The one about humility? Um... Turn up my reproof. I'll pour out my spirit to you. I'll make my words known to you. What, well, first of all, who's speaking? Uh, wisdom. Okay. So how does wisdom speak? Does wisdom have a voice? Is wisdom a person? <laughs> Is wisdom mm-hmm. uh, personification? Mm-hmm. Who? Okay. You, I don't want you to answer this question, but... Well, this makes some interesting classroom discussion just in general. It does. Uh, there's lots of different ideas about who wisdom is and how wisdom is speaking. Yeah. But we definitely do read in Proverbs that wisdom is crying out from the loud, from the high places, and she's not hiding and she's not in secret like her counterpart Folly is, but she's calling out, and so um, we do know that. So Folly, in a sense, is maybe a real person too. We don't. Mm-hmm. So maybe we take it too far if we make them actual created beings, or and I teach this in my class and. I know that I get uh, some people will challenge me on this, and I'm fine with that. I mean, it's I, I believe that there's one God. There's mm-hmm. three persons of the Godhead. Mm-hmm. So I'm not making a fourth person of the Trinity with wisdom. N- no, no more than I would be saying that Jesus is the rock or Jesus is the word. They're mm-hmm. not, you know, separate mm-hmm. entities either. Yeah. They're Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus is the rock, Old Testament, um, the rock that the water flowed out of it says, and this mm-hmm. rock was Christ. The New Testament bears that out. Yeah, there are a lot of really beautiful pictures of who Jesus yeah. is, the yeah. sacrificial lamb, the lion of Judah. Yeah, and I and so I take it as far as in the New Testament, Paul says that Jesus is the power and wisdom of God. Mm-hmm. And so um, in wisdom in Proverbs chapter 8, it, um, it seems to indicate that wisdom is begotten just as mm. Jesus was begotten in the New Testament. And it says that wisdom that was not only begotten, it's uh, the Hebrew word for eternal. And there's only one person it, it, that's eternal, except for us now. God has made us eternal, which yeah. is amazing. That's crazy. Yeah, that God made us eternal. I mean, I'm so thankful. I mean, mm-hmm. I, when I, when I'm, if I was ever backsliding, you know, I'd probably wonder, like, you know, I think Staples has that but button where you press mm-hmm. and everything starts over again. You know, if uh, and I think the Marvel movies, there's a movie out there where mm-hmm. everyone, half the population disappears. The Age of Ultron, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's, uh, can you imagine if God was like that? That's crazy. You know, yeah. he was just like, eh, I'm tired of this. You know, he did do that with the flood, right? Destroyed yeah. 99% of the world. But even then, like, there were still eternal beings. Yeah. Which is just and a lot of people freaky. don't really understand that how they can't fathom the concept of hell. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Have we done a podcast on Luke sixteen before with the Pharisees and the whole thing about pressing into uh, the kingdom of God? I don't think so. Well, we've got to do that next. Yeah. 
I'm almost tempted to do it now. <laughs> you can do it now. <laughs> no, no, let's let's stick with this. Cool. And so, so simply, you know, Proverbs chapter eight talks about wisdom actually mm-hmm. being there as the architect of all creation. And we know from Colossians chapter one that Jesus was the. Uh, all things were created by Him and for Him. Nothing mm-hmm. was created that wasn't created through Him. And so Jesus was the creator. Um, I go as far as seeing that Jesus is throughout the Old, Old Testament. I see Yahweh and Jesus being the same person, mm-hmm. different than the Father. Um, the Father comes into play more in the New Testament, and uh, Jesus, the creator of heavens and the earth. I think that's very clear in the Bible. So when God created the heavens and the earth, that was Jesus. Mm. Um, and that bears the, that bears out in the New Testament, Colossians chapter 1, and throughout the book of Isaiah, too. The book of Isaiah, if you ever wanted to study a um, section of scripture that is foolproof about who Jesus is, mm-hmm. as far as him being God, the only God. And, you know, people confuse that when they start talking about the Trinity. They confuse, they start seeing God in three separate ways. Mm-hmm. He's three persons. He's got three, he... he Facets. Almost. Three facets and also, but three persons. Mm-hmm. You know, the Father was, and the Son, they, they talk to each other. Three functions. Yeah, but one God, just mm-hmm. like the sun is yeah. one ball of flame, but the sun <laughs> gives off heat mm-hmm. and also gives off light. Mm-hmm. There's three in one there. There's all kinds of mm-hmm. illustrations in creation. And That's in fact, Rome, yeah, Romans chapter one says that all creation demonstrates the Godhead. You know, so that's that's the one I like the best. Some people use the egg illustration. <laughs> I don't like that one as much. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so one God and Jesus um, is representative of that one God in creation, and also in who wisdom is. In mm-hmm. the book of Proverbs, chapter one, um, wisdom. Um, it's it's very clear there. Wisdom is eternal, and wisdom is the architect creating with God from the beginning. So. Mm-hmm. Is it? Um, it's it's difficult to explain. Mm-hmm. It's a mystery, um, but it's wisdom's not the fourth part of the Trinity. I believe that wisdom is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And um, I'm not going to go to the cross for it. It's um, you know it's a teaching that um, after studying it for 12 years, I have come to base my conclusion on mm-hmm. that. But it doesn't mean that people have to believe it. Mm-hmm. I just um, that's where my studies. You know, brought me to see that wisdom is the you know power of God, the wisdom of God, and that's who Jesus was. Um, but then there's also actual wisdom that we can possess. Yeah. Not Jesus. Hakma is the Hebrew word, and that's a that's the word for skillful ne- negotiating life mm-hmm. skillfully. It's a different kind of wisdom. And one of the things you got to realize as we study wisdom is that wisdom is essential. You can have wisdom. An unsaved person can have wisdom. Oh, interesting. I was going to ask you that. I was yeah. curious. Yeah, it starts off as a simple person and then a youthful, knowledgeable person and then a wise person, mm-hmm. a person who possesses wisdom. But for wisdom, in order to reach a high level of d- decision-making, discernment, wisdom has to be mixed with um, spiritual insights. Mm-hmm. Only div- It's a partnership with God. Mm-hmm. And unless you have that partnership with God, then wisdom can only be earthly and worldly. A mm-hmm. um, person can do well in business with worldly wisdom, but they can't do well in discerning good and evil. And that's the mm-hmm. highest level of learning, the highest functioning of, um, of thinking is mm-hmm. discernment. And it's, and it's a meshing together of spiritual insight and 
wisdom, skillful thinking, a balancing of intellect and spiritual insights. That's what the word literally means, being ya in Interesting. Hebrew. Okay, oh. so back to your original question. You were asking why that verse is like one of the most important ones in the Bible. The, uh, the one that says, turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Does yours say rebuke or reproof? This one says rebuke. I, I oh, have the NKJV. Do you have reproof? Yeah, mine's reproof, and that would be more accurate mm-hmm. because there's three, four, four kinds of correction. One is just correction. That's the idea of, of discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's, it's non-confrontational. It's, it's, um, it's a very um, gentle way of mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, Molly, um, I don't think you're thinking about this right. Let me mm-hmm. show you how to." Do this, think, think through this the right way. So it's a mild correction. That would be reproof? That would be correction. Oh, correction. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then the next one would be reproof, and that's a little bit stronger. Okay. And that would be like, um, no, that's you're wrong. That's not the way it is. And mm-hmm. so it's a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. And then rebuke, um, that's a different Hebrew word. And that is that the is a little bit strongest of all. Face to face confrontation. No, it's not the strongest of all. It's the third strongest. There's oh. a fourth one. And that, so that's the third strongest, and it's like verbal confrontation in mm-hmm. your face, and you are going to be swallowing your pride. Okay? So that's a little bit stronger. Yikes. Okay. And then the fourth one is chastening. Oh, uh, okay. I think you've mentioned that one before. Yeah, and, and that's that's punishment. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens mm-hmm. and scourges every son in whom he receives. Hmm. We talked about it this morning in devotions. Yeah. Uh, Colin Smith, well, we had him on... Uh, telephone with with our staff and he was talking about the centerpiece of Ruth chapter one. It was beautiful. Where um, Naomi, the mother, was losing everything. She lost her husband and her two children. Mm-hmm. Um, and then but she gained a daughter, mm-hmm. lost another daughter in law, but the daughter in law who stayed was Ruth, and the Bible says that Ruth clave to her. Mm-hmm. And Colin gave us this picture mm-hmm. Colin gave us this beautiful picture of the the wheat being winnowed. So at the very beginning, they were there, and there was a famine. And then at the very end, when they're leaving, there is a Har- barley harvest. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, and it where, was, where is this taking place? It wasn't Bethlehem. It yeah, was, it is. It's Bethlehem, Oh, it was. And that was a place that meant... House of Bread. House of Bread. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really funny because they were there and there was a famine. So it was like this reversal of expectation. A famine in the House of Bread mm-hmm. that then, after she loses her two sons and her husband, yeah. leads to the gain of Ruth uh-huh. and ends with a barley harvest. But it was so beautiful that he used the illustration of the barley because he was talking about how like God separates the wheat from the chaff, the chaff. in our own lives yep. and how she came with like everything or what seemed like everything. But God had this beautiful plan that he was trying to make known that was above anything that they could have imagined. And so then through this process of really, really painful stuff, you know, she has Ruth. And God was going to use her, like, in the line of his own son, too. Mm-hmm. But he had just this beautiful story was working out. And so he was talking about how in our own life, you know, there's going to be a time of painful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's just going to be a painful time sometimes. And God's working out something that we and, – and something Sarah mentioned, we may not be able to see it. Like, Ruth wasn't like, oh, I just lost my husband and my father-in-law and all these people. But God is, like, going to use me to, like, marry this guy. Like, like she didn't know any of that stuff. It was just this total walk of faith. And not only that, but it leads to eventually David being born and mm-hmm. then Jesus being born, who becomes the 
bread of life. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. so here they are in Bethlehem with no bread. It's a famine mm-hmm. leading ultimately through her winnowing. Mm-hmm. And then what a beautiful picture. Mm-hmm. Colin was saying like you would throw the, the wheat, you know, the, the wheat and the chaff that would, uh, the, the, the covering of the seed, it would go up in the air. And as it would come down on the, you know, and you go up in the air again and come down, it would separate the wheat mm-hmm. and the chaff and mm-hmm. the chaff would be very, very light and the wind would take that away mm-hmm. and leave, you know, the uh, more of the wheat flour and so that they were able to, and the seeds that they can make into the wheat flour for food to make mm-hmm. bread. And he said, that's what God's doing in our lives. He's, he's winnowing us, mm-hmm. you know, and taking off those rough edges and getting rid of the chaff that doesn't belong in our lives. And maybe we don't realize what he's doing through maybe the death of someone or maybe mm-hmm. through, you know, a very difficult relationship in marriage or difficult mm-hmm. child, whatever it is that God's doing in our lives, he's doing it ultimately so that he can bring great glory to himself through mm-hmm. our winnowing. So then that that idea of cleaving, Ruth mm-hmm. clave to her mother-in-law, that idea of cleaving is where when the, when the wheat comes down as being used for bread, mm-hmm. that's that together, it's stick togetherness that we become more whole so that we become more usable mm-hmm. as Jesus was as the bread of life. And he that, Jesus said, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you can have no part with me. And the disciples were like, what in the world is he saying? <laughs> yeah. You know, and the people were saying like, what is, who does he think he is that we have to eat his body and drink his blood? And he was talking about spiritually yeah. that you have to, you have to be a part of him. You have to, you have to be you know, the Catholics see that as, you know, going through, through communion, the Episcopal see the same thing, but it's Jesus is talking about something entirely different. He says this, he's, he, later on he says, right after that, he says, he says, and they that come to me must believe that I am. They must come in spirit and in truth. Mm-hmm. That whole idea of spirit, truth, eat my body, drink my blood. Mm-hmm. He talks about spirit and truth. And then he says this, my word, my word is flesh indeed. Mm. My, it's, it's his word. When we take his word into our lives, we're being a, taking a part of him into our lives. Oh, wow. We live out his word. Okay, so we've talked about pretty much everything except the <laughs> Proverbs chapter one. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> well, I think it's kind of in line with the, I will turn at your rebuke. There's the process that we were talking about with Ruth that kind of relates to that. And I was kind of curious about why that's one of the most uh, important verses in the Bible. <laughs> okay, so one of the reasons I say it's one of the most important reasons and the mo- most important verses in the Bible is that wisdom is saying that she has a spirit and that she can pour out the spirit mm. and that she can make known her words. So mm. how can wisdom do something like that? Does wisdom have a spirit that can do this? <laughs> and what what is wisdom claiming about her words? And so... Mm. That's why I bring this all together that wisdom's God. You know, God is speaking. Yeah, it's definitely like a part of him. It's encapsulated in him like God is yeah. holy. God is wisdom. God is Yeah, God is his, God's the word. God's mm-hmm. the rock. Yeah. And so here God is speaking as wisdom. Mm-hmm. And some will say like, but it's in the feminine. It's a girl. And like, oh, come <laughs> on, that's ridiculous. Um, God is neither male nor female. God created us in his image, which is both, mm-hmm. you know. There is no, you know, God is a spirit. You know, he's not either. Well, there are some of those hard things in the Bible, too, like guys and girls are all the, the bridegroom of Christ. Which yeah, is right, right. Like, kind of, it's okay for me as a girl, like, sure, but I don't know. You know what's interesting is that I never really think of it in a, 
odd way that mm -hmm. I'm part of the bride of Christ. It's it mm -hmm. seems fitting, you know. Yeah. Just and and then when we see him, it's, it's not going to matter anyway. So we're, yeah, <laughs> we're going to be so uh -huh. you know completely awed with what we see, and, mm -hmm. and we're going to mm -hmm. be in love with him without any taint of sin. Okay, so. The fact that this verse says that wisdom will pour out her spirit, make her words mm. known to her, that's part of the issue, Molly, in this life, mm. is that people don't know his words and are not filled with his spirit. And mm. one of the ways that this happens, one of the ways that you get God's spirit and understand his words is by turning. It's a repentance. Mm -hmm. It's a continual repentance. It's a, re it's a turning when you're corrected or proven mm. wrong. You know, so... All day long, every day, there are opportunities for us to be adjusted in our character, mm -hmm. for someone to maybe gently correct us or rebuke us. Those things happen. And most people, though, when that happens, mm -hmm. they get tense. Yeah, and they, they lose the opportunity of the Spirit coming upon them and the words being made known unto them because they, they're pridefully, they get, you know. This is so easy to do, yeah. Yeah, we've all experienced it. Emotions kick start. <laughs> yeah. But this is crazy because, like, God says he stores up wisdom, you know, and he'll give it to those who ask. But it's crazy that it's coupled with rebuke here. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't think it anything to be like, God, I, I need wisdom. I'm struggling with this project or whatever. But so it's it's directly correlated with rebuke? Yes. Well, reproof, being oh. proven wrong, a willingness to allow yourself to be proven wrong. It's it's a it's an invitation for other people to speak into your life, an invitation for other people to, you know, be real with you. Does that always happen when you ask for wisdom? Like you have to go through that process yeah, of reproof every time. time. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, it's a, a God humbles us like He's separating the the chaff from the wheat, mm. you know, and you know only by pride comes contentions. And, you know, if you humble yourself and you place yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will lift you up, but in due time. Mm -hmm. He will exalt you in due time. And we're going to look at that exaltation because this wisdom says exactly the same thing, that if you, if you love her, um, she will love you. And if you exalt her, she will lift you up. Mm -hmm. Jesus talks about the same thing. So this is really important, um, an invitation to other people to speak into your life mm -hmm. so that you can start seeing who you really are. If God didn't give me Debbie as my wife, I would not be who I am today. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not we've not had an easy marriage. Um, God has used my... And Molly, we could so easily have said, you know what, we're calling this quits. This mm -hmm. is just not... I. You know, some people, when they have a difficult marriage, they're like, I just want to be happy. <laughs> I So many people are like that today. Mm -hmm. I just want to be happy. I've only got maybe 15 years left in my life. I just want to be happy. They've been married for 30 years, 25 years. Like... This isn't working, and we're not happy. I just want to find someone that can be my real soulmate and be happy. Real happiness doesn't come that way. Mm -mm. It, it's just, in fact, I like what Lou Sterrett says. He goes, um, it's a lot less expensive to do it right the first time than to uh, have to try to do it a second time. He says, very costly. You know, and, and it that's what God, God places our mates in our lives to help us to see ourselves. That's the invitation mm -hmm. of being proven wrong. Mm -hmm. I would, if I didn't have my wife, I would have gone just in what completely opposite direction thinking I was something, mm. you know, and uh, Debbie just helps me to see, mm. you know, hey, this is, De Debbie, Debbie helped me to see for years that 
Mark, you're the center of your life, you know, and that's not an easy thing to accept. But when when someone really loves you and they're willing to mm-hmm. s- tell you the truth, if you're willing to listen, now you've got to make some adjustments and say, hey, just recently it happened. Um, I was, uh, I was, um, we were together and my daughter called me and I had all this work to do. Mm-hmm. And um, my daughter said, hey, dad, I'm going to the park. Um, do you want to spend some time with Autumn? And I started texting back and and Debbie was watching me and and I said uh, sorry Jen I just got way too much to do catch you the next time and I'm just getting ready to press send and Debbie goes what'd you say and I read it to her and she goes seriously she goes that little girl needs her grandfather and I'm like oh okay you're right <laughs> you know yeah. deleted it said be right there <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and I had a great time with them you know mm-hmm. and uh, so that's where that iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really, really important. And, and the, the, that scripture is iron sharpens iron. So does a friend sharpen the countenance mm-hmm. of his friend. Do you realize what that's saying? Mm-mm. How how would I sharpen your countenance? If I was a true, your true friend, mm-hmm. how would I sharpen your countenance? Um... L- literally, the Hebrew word is countenance mm-hmm. is face. Okay. I will make your face sharper. Interesting. That's such a weird thought. Isn't it? Yeah. Like grind your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, I don't know. Every part of who you are, when you have a good friend, uh-huh. that good friend brings out the best in you, makes you sharper intellectually, makes you sharper spiritually, makes you sharper relationally, socially, um, joyfully. Mm-hmm. Every part of your life becomes changed when you have a true friend hmm. and you become sharper. Mm-hmm. That's what a real friend does. And that's the way our relationship should be um, in our marriages, in our friends at, at work. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't have those kinds of friends, and we just did this whole series on it, yeah, that's what you need to look for. But that only comes when you're willing to allow yourself to receive correction. Mm-hmm. Molly, that reminds me of another verse in Proverbs 27, 6. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Mm. And so real friends correct. Mm-hmm. Real friends speak the truth into our lives so that we can see our real selves. And that's what Proverbs chapter 1 is all about. It's warning them, this whole verse of turn at my reproof and I'll make known my words to you, I'll pour out my spirit to you. It's This is the context is set up with, guess, guess what the context is? Mm. Finding good friends, mm. staying away from bad company, staying away from people that take advantage of weaker people and stay, staying away from people who are after greedy gain. So God is teaching us here, if you're in the wrong relationships with people, if these people are taking advantage of weaker people, if they're going after greedy gain, if that's their focus in life, then turn, turn at my reproof. Mm-hmm. You know, And when God does this in our lives, and if we're willing to turn, he will pour out, a spirit, pour out a spirit and make known his words to us. And then this is what will happen. Verse 26 through 28 talks about if you don't listen, God will laugh at your calamity. He will laugh at your fear. Destruction and anguish will come upon you. Verse 28, they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they, verse 29, I want to focus on this. They hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is a very big topic in Mm -hmm. wisdom literature. Job, Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, 
those four first four of the five books of wisdom, the wisdom books, excluding Song of Solomon, begin and end with the fear of the Lord, mm-hmm. the fear of Elohim. And one of the reasons it focuses on that is that wisdom literature, the wisdom books of the Bible, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, define what the fear of the fear of the Lord is. That's amazing. Okay, do you know what it might be? Um, there's a lot of different things that it means. Okay, so basically, I say it all the time. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And it's also the beginning of? Wisdom. Okay. But literally, in chapter, I think it's chapter Mm -hmm. 8, in chapter 6, it defines it. Loving what God loves and hating what God God hates. hates. Absolutely. And when you do that, now you're having an intimate relationship with someone because you are enjoying the same things. You can't have an intimate relationship with someone if they love something that is not ethically or morally right. Hmm. How would you like to have a – you wouldn't like to have a <laughs> But wouldn't it be awful to be in a relationship with somebody where they started – you know, they like to watch R-rated movies, hmm. you know, and you're raising your children. I have a mom wrote to me recently about that. Hmm. What, what do you do in those situations? It's really and hard. We're not going to talk about that now, but I gave her some – I some really, I thought, wise counsel in what she should do. But, okay, so I know people are wondering, like, what did you tell him? <laughs> what did you tell her? I'll tell you what I told her. Um, th- this is going to be a tough one to swallow. Um, <clears throat> her love for Christ and her answers to prayer needs to be so much greater than the influence of her husband. If she starts to tell her husband what to do right now and pull her kids, kids away then um, she's going to create a rift in the family. Um, she's got to allow her husband to fail. Mm. And um, she needs to be praying. And, uh, and then her children need to see the, the two different influences in their lives. They need to see the father's influence and where that leads them. Mm-hmm. And then they need to see mom's influence. It may not happen overnight. It may take years for those kids to see that. Mm-hmm. And eventually what that mom wants is she wants to have the greater influence, the godly influence. First Corinthians chapter 7 speaks it clearly that, you know, if your husband who's ungodly or unsaved, if he decides to dwell with you, let him stay. For your children are holy. Otherwise, they will be, you know, unholy. Mm-hmm. And that what that's talking about is that your children are set apart because of your godly influence by staying in that relationship. Don't mm-hmm. get out of that relationship. Stay in it for the sake of your children. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think needs to happen during those times. And eventually, hopefully, Dad will start. You know, if you're praying and, and you have a godly influence in your home, you're humble, um, eventually, God's going to put pressure on that dad. Mm-hmm. And um, he's going to, you know, he's going to... Uh, come around. I had a mom in um, Massachusetts. This was kind of funny. Um, her husband just wasn't wasn't doing the job. And uh, he was just passive, just wasn't doing it. And um, he had TVs throughout the house, computers, and it was having a real influence on, on the kids. And, uh, <laughs> this is really funny. And this mom, now this, this is the opposite of the, my counsel, but this mm-hmm. happened. So, and whoever's listening to this, please don't do this unless God tells you to do this. But so she came home one night. She was just on fire for the Lord. Mm-hmm. She came home, home one night. She went in the house and she just, she had it. You know, the kids were in computers in every different room. The husband was watching TV. And <laughs> she went upstairs and she started out opening the windows and she started throwing the computers out the window, two stories down, mm-hmm. TVs out the window, two stories down. Um, 
television while the husband's watching it out in the sidewalk, smashed to pieces. And then, she's not done. Then she started to go into and unscrew all of the sockets for the for the cable television and for where the computers went through. And she started pulling the cables out through the wall. Oh, wow. Yeah, and there's like, started going, like ripping through the drywall, <laughs> you know, through, through the house. And her husband sat and watched the whole thing, okay? While she's doing it, she just went berserk, you know? And and uh, when she was done, and there was this all of this stuff all over the yard, and, and just she had just had it, guess what he did? What? Got on his knees and repented. Wow. Yeah. I know that doesn't that doesn't usually happen that it's way. It's unique. <laughs> it is unique. Right. It is unique. But uh, she she was something happened. The spirit of God stirred her heart. <laughs> you know, the the spirit of God was poured out in her heart. When okay. uh, when God speaks, you know. Yeah. So this has made me think of something that I was studying when I was a student here. We were talking about proverbs, and like it's not fun to go through a reproof or a no. painful moment. But then afterwards, like you were saying, like knowledge will become pleasant to your soul. There's all this beauty mm-hmm. and life and reward that comes with that. But then if you have the converse, you flip it, then you go through this time where you're like, oh yeah, I have the pleasure and it's it's exciting and fun. I don't have to listen to my conscience. But then it kind of snowballs and you know, there's what's all this. interesting about that is that in Proverbs chapter nine, it does talk in chapter six, seven, and nine. It mm. talks about the thrill of immorality, the mm. thrill of doing things unethical, the thrill of doing things um, in secret. There's mm. an adrenaline rush, and people tend to they. Mm-hmm. There's, it's a it's a draw. It uh-huh. it actually attracts people in you know illicit relationships. Maybe at work, it could be it could be, you know, you could be the boss and you can have a secretary, and all of a sudden those. You know, your heart's not filled up like it needs to be, and all of a sudden you're getting that from somebody else. And so there's, there's these, something's happening on the sly. Something's mm-hmm. happening almost in secret, and you start you start getting yourself filled with that, and there's an adrenaline. Proverbs chapter 9 talks about mm-hmm. this, that hidden bread, hidden bread is sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Stolen, Stolen waters, waters are sweet, and hidden bread is exciting to eat. Mm-hmm. And so those are the things that, mm-hmm. you know, folly puts in our way to make us think that this is kind of like a cool thing. I'll mm-hmm. never get caught. Mm-hmm. So so you're saying like pleasure does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at first, definitely. But then afterwards, you know, this is something that, like you were saying, Proverbs kind of goes into more later. But there's just this extreme cost. And, you know, you're wrecking your life, even mm. though you may not be realizing it. But like it's uncomfortable, but that momentary affliction of reproof is so worth it and so freeing in the long run, mm. even though it's uncomfortable. <laughs> but yeah, we heard it said that if you follow after pleasure first, and that's what's happening in our culture so much. So mm-hmm. kids today playing video games and you know the, just the work ethic. I I was at the University of Rochester at the library, mm-hmm. Molly. This was crazy. I'm I'm in there in the first floor. They're throwing a frisbee across the room. What? They're they're sitting on the tables. This is the first floor of the library. What? I'm like, what is going on here? I go up to the second floor, and they're talking like you know across the room and everything. I'm like this is the library. I I go up to the third floor. Finally, there's a place that I can, mm-hmm. you know, um, study. But I'm like, what's going on here? I went. I was studying at a different library. I was working on my dissertation. I I went to a 
um, a college. It was a local Catholic college. And um, I went to the library. They're in the same, not exactly the same, but they're talking in there mm-hmm. loudly. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what's going on with our culture? We've lost something here. And so so kids today, you know, there's there's a loss of soberness. There's a loss of seriousness. Mm-hmm. There's a loss of really study. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Mm-hmm. Um, in this, a in loss the, of self-control. Yeah. Yeah, and that word that word study in Greek is the idea of cutting to the core, mm-hmm. you know, really focusing and getting down to the real stuff, you know, and and so our kid, what our kids need today is they they need this, they need this, they need to find knowledge, you know, the, to understand the fear of the Lord is to help you to find knowledge, and when you find mm-hmm. knowledge, it become pleasant to your soul. But what mm-hmm. happens is when you pursue pursue pleasure first then afterwards you pay the price. Mm. But if you pay the price first, then pleasure will follow. You know, and that's beautiful, you know, because if you really mm-hmm. want to enjoy, if you really want to enjoy something, a lot of people can't wait to go on vacation to enjoy themselves. Mm-hmm. We should be able to enjoy ourselves every day mm-hmm. because we pay a price first. There's, mm-hmm. I don't know about you here at Lamplighter, but I get joy every single day here. Oh, yeah. The greatest joy in and we don't work that hard here. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it's weird because, like, since I got here, I don't feel like I've worked a day since I've gotten here. Whoa. Yeah. And we work tirelessly. We do. Yeah. But even I was thinking about I've got some family coming up this weekend. I was like, what are some fun things that I can plan? And I was like, well, what do I do here to have fun? And I was like, well, I work. <laughs> <laughs> and I go to cafes and I hang out in nature. <laughs> like, all those are kind of, like, not what people do. <laughs> So I'm planning some stuff, but I just, I don't know. I really enjoy the work here. I can just picture you. Um, you have a friend coming, and uh, I can yeah. picture you going to the cafe and bringing your computer and work, <laughs> yeah. working on uh, Shipwrecked or something. Come on. Oh, dear. No, I'll, I'll be better this weekend. So, uh, yeah, that's that says that says a lot. One yeah. of the reasons that people aren't receiving that kind of blessing of God's Spirit being poured out and His words being made known is because they are seeking after pleasure so mm-hmm. much. And, and it's not even true pleasure. That's what they think is yeah. going to satisfy and fulfill. So um, unsatisfying. We all so, do that. It's so temporary. Yeah. So let's bring this to an end. We, this has mm-hmm. been kind of a uh, time of just chatting about different things, but hopefully it'll be helpful to people. Um, verse 29, uh, for 28 and 29, they shall call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they will not find me. That's what happens when you mm-hmm. don't turn when you're proven wrong. Mm-hmm. So you get this hard-heartedness, and unfortunately, that there is just there isn't any benefit when mm-hmm. you get that way. You lose everything, Molly. Mm. Just you lose relationships, you lose peace, you lose blessings, you lose joy. I mean, who wants? It's there's no there's nothing good in that Mm-mm. in that direction. And so, but this is what it says in verse twenty nine: For they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Mm. Fearing God is a choice. Yeah, and. Uh, and it's, it just takes this one time in your life saying, like, you know what? I'm no longer going to live under the fear of man. I'm no longer going to live under the influence of what I want in this life. I'm going to find out what is it that God wants. And they hated knowledge. And knowledge is the first step. Mm-hmm. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And these people who were simple, they hated knowledge. Knowledge, we're going to talk about this in the next podcast, Knowledge in chapter 2 comes on the scene 
and knowledge if you are willing to seek wisdom more than silver, more than hidden treasure, then you will understand, guess what? You will understand, this is chapter 2, you'll understand the fear of the Lord, you'll find the knowledge of God, Mm. and knowledge will become pleasant to your soul. That's beautiful. Yeah. And that's really a great picture Mm. of a person who's willing to turn when they're corrected and proven wrong, Mm -hmm. and then God will pour out His Spirit and make His words known to them. And they will never be the same, and they will be on fire with the Word of God living inside of them. Mm -hmm. Okay, Molly, let's do this again. Yeah. Chapter 2, coming next. Yes. God bless all. Thanks for joining us in another Fastened Like Nails. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question you would like to submit for the Lamplighter team, visit lamplighter.net slash podcast and fill out the form. That's lamplighter.net slash podcast.